Okay. Well, guys, we are finishing up the book of Exodus today, God willing. Uh, we are in Exodus chapter 40, uh, and we're going to be continuing to follow Moses and the children of Israel as they put the tabernacle uh, into the service of the Lord. Um, let's, uh, let's start with a word of prayer, though, first. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Lord, and uh, we are so thankful and grateful, Lord, for <clears throat> all that you've accomplished for us, Lord, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, we, we cannot know, we cannot learn, we cannot see or hear or speak enough, Lord, about the love that you have towards us, Father, and towards everyone, uh, Lord, who you would call in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we, we ask and pray, Lord, that you would establish and reestablish the truth of the gospel and, uh, and the truth of your holy word, Lord, in our hearts, uh, Lord, so that it could be a rock that we stand on, Father, and, and we could be workmen who need not be ashamed, Lord, rightly dividing the word of truth, uh, each of us individually, Lord. We pray that you would help us to become students of your word, Lord, that we would not be content to, to just be called uh, by your name, which is, which is the greatest privilege in, in the history of the universe, Lord, but uh, that we would seek to also to know you, Father, to know what your word says, Lord, not only so that uh, we would not be deceived, Lord, but also so that we might always have a word in our heart, Lord God, that you could access by the power of your Spirit at any time and any place, Lord, to minister to someone's heart, to minister to someone's life, Lord, wherever it is that you have us, that you at that moment in time uh, begin to use us as a missionary or as a preacher of the gospel, Lord, we want to be able to access uh, what you've given us, Lord. So help us to become uh, students of this book, Lord, to not be contented to just have a passing knowledge of it, but uh, to really seek to go deeper, to go deeper in it together, Father. And we pray that you would help us to discern it, Lord, uh, and that you would write it on the tablets of our hearts, uh, Lord, and that we would talk about it with our families as we come and go, as we rise and fall. And uh, Lord, that you would be the beginning and the end of each of our days, each of our weeks, months, years, Lord, and, and beginning and end uh, indeed of our life, uh, Father. Uh, cause us to be who you need us to be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, so, <clears throat> Dad finished up this morning, um, Exodus chapter 40, and he got down to verse... Oh, where did you go to, Dad? 17. <laughs> All right, sorry. Thank you. Uh, there it is. Yeah, chapter 40, verse 17. And it came to pass in the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was raised up. So Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets, set up its boards, put in its bars, and raised up its pillars. And he spread out the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on top of it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark inserted the poles through the rings of the ark and put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering and partitioned off the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tabernacle of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil and he set the bread in order upon it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tabernacle of meeting across from the table on the south side of the tabernacle, and he lit the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the gold altar in the tabernacle of meeting in front of the veil, 
and he burned sweet incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He hung up the screen at the door of the tabernacle and he put the altar of burnt offering before the Lord of the tabernacle, uh, excuse me, before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered upon it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the laver between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water there for washing. And Moses, Aaron, and his sons would wash their hands and their feet with water from it. Whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting, and when they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. So all through the book of Exodus, well, not all through the whole book, but for the past how many chapters... We've been talking about God's instruction to Moses on putting together, on building, on crafting all of the articles for the tabernacle. Every single board, every single socket, the parts of the veil, the curtains in detail and, and in detail again and in detail again. And you read through the book of Exodus and you get towards these last few chapters and you're like, okay, all right. And then you get to chapter 40, and you're like, okay, I guess we're going to go over every single article again, right? And again, and you see the repetition that's there. Now, I think it's important for us to remember, for us to understand that they had never erected the tabernacle until they erected the tabernacle. So they had all of this instruction for a, a structure, uh, not and, and a portable structure, that they had never seen before. They didn't know what this was going to look like completely. I'm sure that they had a vision of it, but it had never been put together. This is something that was completely 100% from God as he was speaking to Moses to then relate that to the children of Israel. This is how I want you to build this. This is how I want you to weave this fabric together. This is how I want you to do it, and these are the instruments, and this is the material that I want you to use, and I want you to do it exactly the way I tell you to do it. I want you to follow my instructions to the letter. I want you to do everything that I've commanded you to do. And Moses was diligent to do that. And it's interesting to me that all these thousands of years later, as we sit here in church in Kirkville, right, and we're getting the instructions. It's like, we're not building the thing. Right? And it's like, why do I have to sit here as a Christian and listen to all of these things again and again and again? The Bible is repetitious. You know why? Because we need repetition. I don't need to be told once or twice or three times. I need to be told over and over and over and over again. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we as a people are so prone to wander. And that's why the Bible says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. I mean, you know, when the Bible talks about us being sheep, when it compares us to sheep, you understand that's not flattering, right? It's probably because sheep are so cute. <laughs> no, it's because they're stupid. You know? that, that's why we're compared to sheep. And God's not saying you're stupid or, you know, being like a mean father. But he is comparing us to sheep because sheep are a creature that are gentle, that with, with, on their own and without help would be easily devoured. I mean, easy prey. Like I, me, 
In this current condition, I could probably drag down a sheep and kill it. You know what I mean? With just my knife and a, you know, my claws you know, or whatever. You know, sheep are not tough animals. Uh, and they are followers. Uh, they're, they're quick to follow. There's just sheeps going up there. Blah, and they go that way. And they are mincemeat for predators. Mincemeat. They were designed and created by God in all ways that they had to have a shepherd. That there had to be someone over them that was going to watch their back and their front and their side and every other thing to make sure that they were not devoured and also to lead them, to bring them to the pastures that were the greenest, to bring them to the waters. You know, and, you know, David was a shepherd, wasn't he? King David was a shepherd. And, and you start thinking of the Psalms. He leads me beside the still waters. You know, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Uh, David, King David, mighty King David, call, I'm just another sheep. I'm just a sheep like you. And when God is comparing us to sheep, you know, we can look to the nature of a sheep, all these things we've already discussed, but they're prone to wander. They're prone to wander, and that's why the Bible says we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And Jesus Christ himself, speaking of himself being the good shepherd, said, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. All the others who came before me were, were thieves and, and deceivers, not true shepherds. And someone who's not a true shepherd will leave the sheep at the first sign of trouble. But a true shepherd will give his life for the sheep. Before God called David and said, I want you to come out and I want you to lead my people to Israel, before he was anointed as king over Israel, before he ever fought Goliath, before he ever had all of the, the, the things that we read about in the scriptures, the heroic acts and activities and things that he did, and, and, and before any of the acclamation, if that's the right word, before any of the fame and the notoriety and all this stuff, he was just a shepherd boy. And he was a young man, and he was watching over his father's sheep, and he had the job of the lowest son because he was the youngest son. If you recall, when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint one of his sons as king, Jesse brought to him each and every one of his sons before David. Because that's the way it was. It's the oldest first. He's preeminent. He is going to have the right to take over everything that I have when I die. And then after him, it's the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and so on and so forth. David's the lowest one. He's just out watching the sheep. And I wonder if anyone ever knew about the fact that he had killed a lion. And I wonder if anyone ever knew about the fact that he had killed a bear until he had that conversation with Saul, where Saul said, you're just a boy. How are you going to go against this giant, this warrior, this mighty man? And David began to tell him the story of how God was with him when he was faithful in watching the sheep. But we're sheep. We are prone to wander. We are prone to get up. I mean, is it, is, is, am I the only one? Right? I mean, how often do you find yourself 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can't even, like yesterday, we had the church work day here, and then I went out to uh, Palmyra, New York, to a, a worship day uh, at, at one of the motocross tracks that we ride at, and he was just doing a day of worship and praise there, and he asked me to come out and give the word, and, and the answer is yes, <laughs> you know, of course, I'll be there. And so I get on the road, and listen, I, I, I'm, I do fire sprinklers for a living, and I service from, from Albany to Rochester to the Adirondacks down to Pennsylvania. I've driven all of these roads. Gosh, I've driven the throughway eight trillion zillion times. And so have most of you. And 81, I know where Palmyra is. I do. But I was in, you ever go into autopilot when you're driving? You ever go into autopilot? And it's like, you're in another time and space domain, right? I kid you not. I, like, I'm just in my, I'm in, like, happy pony land. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm driving and, and uh, thinking thoughts. And you don't ask me to bring to recollection what I was even thinking about. And all of a sudden, I, I look in and I'm like, what is it? I was on 81. I was on 81 almost to Nedro. And I'm supposed to go west on the throughway to Rochester. And I was just like, what in the, how does that happen? But do you ever find yourself in your life and in your walk with Jesus Christ, all of a sudden kind of like coming to and be like, how did I get here? So caught up and so, uh, so, so just absolutely overcome with the every day and the schedules and the goals and the dreams and, and the things that you're chasing and the careers and the family life and all the things which are blessings and that God has given us, but to get so caught up in those things that you find yourself on autopilot. And man, I have not given any time, Harley, to really set aside completely to just let everything, you know, and we all pray and we read our Bible, right? And we got our devotion. Some of us on our phones, it reminds you to do your devotion in the morning. You know, when you do your devotion, oh, you're brushing your teeth, you know what I mean? But that time, you know what I'm talking about, that time when you have those times with God when it's just you and Him. And you're just speaking to Him and you're praying to Him and you're praising Him and you feel the power of the Spirit enter into your heart and you begin to get emotional and you begin to think about all that He's done. That's the good stuff, man. That's the good stuff. And, and it's just like a, a marital relationship. It's so easy. It is so easy. It just, you're like ships in the night. You know, we got six kids and we got events and we got this and we got that. There's so many things going on that so often during the week, Nikki and I like, it's like, hi, bye, hi, bye, hi, bye. You know what I mean? And it's like, I haven't spent any quality time with my wife. I miss her. You know what I mean? And she kind of misses me a little bit. You know, and it's so important that I reconnect with my wife. We got to spend time together. Hey, man. It is not an accident that Jesus Christ refers to the church as his bride. It is not an accident that he is the groomsman. He's the bridegroom. He is the bridegroom. And he loves us and he cherishes us and he's jealous for us the way a bridegroom is for his bride. On that day, I'll tell you what, any guy who's got his wits about him and who's in love and in the day he gets married, when those doors open, whoo-wee, and there she is. There is not a bear he wouldn't jump into for her, right? There's not a lion he wouldn't face down for her. And there's not a thing he wouldn't do. There's not a mountain he wouldn't be willing to climb or a body of water he wouldn't be able to swim for her. But five years later, <laughs> why don't you swim it yourself, you know? You know. Jesus Christ, though, <laughs> right, with such jerks, right, yeah. Uh, but Jesus Christ 
like the Father. Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What do we know of the Father? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why the Bible can make that boast that even when we're faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny His own. And He sees us as His bride, as that bride, every single day. And He thought of us that way when He was nailed to the cross for us. Oh, how God loves you. Oh, how God is passionate about you. But He knows you. (laughs) He knows you. (laughs) And so the reminder, and the reminder, and the reminder again, and again, and again, all of these articles, everything that made up the tabernacle, screaming to us of what Jesus was going to be for us of what he was going to accomplish for us from the washing laver to the altar of sacrifice to the table of showbread. He's the bread to the lampstand that's fed with the oil, right? To the altar of incense, which is the prayer and the veil that was then torn when he was sacrificed, opening up the way to the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. And we can't know it enough. And we can't study it enough. So then they were just like, that's right, those sockets and pomegranates and gold. Oh my. And, you know, but for us, but for us, his body, his blood, and the spirit of Almighty God, that he doesn't dwell in tabernacles made with hands anymore, but in the hearts of men. And by men, I mean mankind, men and women, anyone who would call on his name, who would be saved and enjoy that fellowship. But folks, we need reminders. And so when you're going through the parts of the Bible, as we are, and we will, just wait till numbers, wait till numbers. You think you hated coming to church now, you know, <laughs> wait till numbers. But listen to me, faithful. He is faithful. And what does he desire us to become as believers? Faithful. This isn't very fun right now, God. But you've got a purpose, don't you? God, you've got a purpose, and you're reminding us, and you're telling us again and again and again, and we're reminded how all of this points to Jesus again and again and again and again. And so after all of this time, and you got one guy, and he's, 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 all his job is, is to build the pomegranates. Mm-mm, you know, for that the goes on the hem of the priestly garments or, or, or the bells, the bell maker, you know what I mean? The, or the guy who was threading up the breastplate or the guy, every, every article and everything. And it's all they're doing is exactly the way they were instructed to do and reminded to do. And Moses is overseeing it all. And when it's all said and done, the scripture teaches us that he looked at everything that they had done and all that they had put together and, and everything that they'd constructed and that they had done it. How exactly how the Lord had commanded them to do it. Without straying, they did exactly what God had, had, had uh, excuse me, commanded them to do. And now comes the day. You ever say, what's God doing in your life? Hey, where are we going here, God? Can I know, please? You know what I'm saying? You get tired of just being like sitting in the back of the bus. Like, I, we're going for a ride. We're going and we're going. We're going. Where are you going? I don't know where we're going. We're going for a ride. It's just a ride. I have no idea. Can you tell me where we're going? No? Okay. No. I, I, praise the Lord. You know, this is special. 
And let me tell you something. Let me promise you something. Let me promise you something. God's building something in your life. God's building something in your life. And let me tell you something. He gave us a set way in which it was to be built. And you make the pomegranate wrong, guess what happens, kid? You make that again. I'm sick of making pomegranates. We'll make it right. I'm sick of weaving. We'll make it right. I mean, poor God. <laughs> to have to watch me weave a curtain together wrong. <laughs> and he says, I can't use that. I can't use that, Frank. I love you, kid. I love you. Now have a Twinkie and do it right. And I do it wrong, and I, but I love you. Now do it right. Listen, so many Christians never get past weaving together the outer curtain. So many Christians never get past the rudimentary, fundamental things of faith because all of us, like sheep, go astray. And each of us turns to our own way. I don't want to do cross-stitch. I want to do sideways-stitch. That's how I like it. Makes me feel good. Right? And we love to feel good. We don't like to not feel good. God says, you want to be blessed. You want to be solid. You want to be fulfilled. You want your life to mean something. You want there to be power there. You want there to be something that can be used. Weave it together as I've commanded you to. And if you don't, I still love you. I still love you, but I can't use it till you weave it the way I've told you to weave it. Because the Word of God stands forever. Not one jot, not one tittle, not one, the tiniest, most minuscule point of punctuation of the Hebrew alphabet. Nothing will pass away from the Word of God until all things have been completed. All things. And we're not there yet. And so our job is to do what he's called us to do. What does the Bible say about this thing? What does the Bible say about that thing? Trust. The Holy Spirit will interpret to your hearts what the Bible says. Be honest before him. Don't try to make it say something that it doesn't. Don't try to weave your will into the Word of God. But weave it together as it says. Let the Holy Spirit discern to your heart what it's telling you and just do it. And just do it. I promise you this, it won't always feel good. Sometimes it'll be painful. Sometimes you'll wonder, why? Why am I even doing this? Why do I even bother? Why do I even try? Lord, I don't understand. But you can know that if you're weaving it together in faith and according to His Word and what He's commanded... The end result, they put up the tabernacle. <gasps> there it is. There it is. And it works. Let's read on. Verse 33, he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finishes the work. Watch this. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle. Of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses, 
who had seen God. Moses who had been put in the cleft of the rock and God had allowed all of his goodness and mercy and grace and the truth of his nature to pass before him and allowed Moses to see his back parts, whatever that looks like, on God. And he spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend plainly. And when the glory comes and fills the place built out of obedience, Moses can't even go in. I'm immediately brought to the scripture verse that talks about praying and not even knowing what to say, but his spirit interceding on our behalf with groans that can't be uttered, right? And so often to be overwhelmed in the presence of God and to know and feel him and to not have words. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. We were talking to a brother this morning. And he was talking about uh, being in heaven and, and meeting this one and meeting that. Like how long is it going to take to just get past seeing him? How long? Can you imagine whether you close your eyes in death or Jesus Christ comes to the church and suddenly all of this is gone and you're with the Lord? And you're in his presence, and you're finally seeing him as he was meant to be seen. I wonder where old Bill's at. I don't think so. I don't think so, but just to be, oh, wow, overwhelmed. And John gives us the vision of the throne room in heaven, and we see these elders, they've been there. They've been in heaven for eons, and yet they continually are just crying out, holy, holy, holy. And they're casting their crowns again and again upon the glassy sea that stands before the throne because he's awesome and wonder and might and power. And they're overwhelmed, supernatural beings overwhelmed. Can you imagine Wow. There's no greater thing. There's no greater thing than having woven something together as God has intended and enjoying fellowship with Him and feeling His presence in your life and feeling His presence in your heart and not even having the words. You can't even sing along with the song because the tears are flowing and you're choked up because of the power of the presence of Almighty God and the love that you feel. There's no greater thing. Moses, who God has been speaking to, to who God has been showing himself, revealing himself to, Moses can't even get in there because the presence of God fills the place. Fills the place. Yes. Well done, this tabernacle built in perfect obedience as I've commanded. And here's my presence as the reward. Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. And if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and the fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Imagine, if you will, it's like Twilight Zone, <laughs> imagine if you will. But seriously, think, think of this. Just, I don't know if you've got to close your eyes or if you already have, if you have a good active imagination, but you're in your tent. You're with your family, and you just finished dinner. 
Just finished dinner talking about it. Can you believe? Can you believe it? What God's been doing? Can you believe? And Moses, and, the, and can you imagine? And this and this unbelievable. And it's just, well, God, I wonder what God is doing. You know, little little Josiah, what do you think? What do you think God is doing? Well, I don't know, Daddy. And having these conversations. And, and, and then you go out from your tent. Your family goes out in the, in the evening. And can you imagine? Like, what? What would you think? And how would you ever get used to that? How is it that you would ever get used to that? And I wonder how many times in the first century church and beyond, during some of the greatest revivals that have ever happened in church history, if the church fathers and the church mothers were saying, how would we ever get used to this? And why would we ever depart from this? How could we ever get to a place where we would disregard this in search of our own way, in search of our own will, and yet we know what happens, don't we? They departed so soon. They were willing to depart and let that get away from them. Now, as the tabernacle was built, it was built completely portable. Completely portable. They could break it down, they could put it away, and they could get it on their shoulders, and they could carry it before him. Whenever the cloud moved, they would follow the cloud. They would pack it up, and they would follow the cloud. And all of these articles, and all of the sacrifices, and everything that went around, all of the activities of the tabernacle, now in Christ Jesus, it's you getting up in the morning, studying his word, and seeking his face. You are the tabernacle today. You are the place where his spirit dwells. And he seeks to lead us just as much as he sought to lead the children of Israel then. But we have to be willing to follow the glory. We have to be willing to follow his word and not go our own way. And not seek to come up with our own ideas or our own reasoning or this is what I feel or this is what I want. We want to see God work and move in our lives. And I think we all do. Maybe not some of you real youngsters. You're like, I got stuff to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? As the older you get, the more clearly you see, I just want to be in your presence. God, I just want to be in the center of your will. And he makes that available to each and every one of us today. You know what he needs from us? Willingness and obedience. Willingness and obedience. He's awesome. He's, right? Like, he's awesome. And someday you're going to see him. And it doesn't feel like that right now because you're in the bag of skin, right? You're in the tent, right? It stinks. There's hair in unwanted places. And in other places that you wish there was hair and there's none. And there's extra wings on the tent that you wish weren't there. And, so, and it hurts a lot of times. And we're stuck in them, aren't we? We're stuck in them. And yet the scripture makes this promise to us that though the outward man is perishing, though the outward tent is perishing, fading away, the inward man, the inward woman is being renewed day by day. What's your hope? What's your great hope? The promotion, the job, the house, the family, the this, the that, the dream. You know what God wants our hope to be? Ooh, glory. Glory. So we can operate the way he's called us to. Amen? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony of the tabernacle. We thank you for the reminders that you've given us to see Jesus Christ in every aspect of the building, Lord, the constructing, the erecting, and the moving, and everything in the tabernacle, Lord, that we can see Christ Jesus in us. And we thank you, Father, for the promise that we have that if we walk in the light as you're in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another and be continually being washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, that we can live in perfect atonement, that we can live in perfect forgiveness and bask in the grace and mercy of our Lord. We're so thankful. Help us to realize this, Lord. Help us to draw close. Help us to run after this, Lord. Help us to chase this down and to not be content until we're brought into full submission, until everything that we weave in our lives is woven according to your statutes and your commandments and your word, Father. Have your way in us. Use us as you see fit, Lord. We're the clay. You're the potter. Lord, help our faith to increase that we would trust in you for everything. And most of all, we just love you. And we're thankful and we're grateful for the family here that you've given us, Lord, and for the fellowship that we have together with each other in you through Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. And it's in his name that we pray. And all the saints said, amen. Amen. Love you, fam.